Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Right, and so good evening. It's uh, Tuesday night, and so time for this live Q and A. Uh, and all we're doing Instagram, and Facebook, YouTube. God knows where it is, but it's it's broken. YouTube's broken. Uh, Dr. Katie's in the house. Good to see you, Dr. Katie. Um, I'm going to get my questions here because it's the 9th of November. So um, I've got to be honest, I haven't got many questions, full disclosure. But if you've got any questions, please feel free to uh, chip in. <clears throat> Hi, Dr. Katie. Hi, Terry. Um, so my question here is, we, do we offer buckle fat pad removal? Um, I've got to be quite honest. This is, this is out of my depth in terms of plastic surgery. Buckle fat. Well, the, the short answer is no. Um, and to that, I mean, that would be a facial plastic surgeon. Uh, I'm a breast plastic surgeon. We all have our um, predominant areas of expertise. Some of us will do other areas. So breast surgeons will do faces and face surgeons will do breasts, for instance. And although I say I'm a breast surgeon, I also do tummies, arms, liposuction, body contouring. Um, but I would say that buckle fat pad removal would be probably best done by a facial plastic surgeon. So someone who uh, specialises in the face. So, yeah, I don't I can't even um, help much and even, you know, can't, can't even talk much about it to be, to be quite honest with you. So, um, yeah, I said no. Sorry about that. Um, this is an odd one. We had another one last week, didn't we? Like, oh, that's right. Do you offer nose operations at your clinic? So this is, do we remove lipomas located on the forehead? I've got to be honest, I think they're, they're struggling for questions, to be honest with you, when, when they put questions like this on. But I'll take it and I'll answer the question. Um, yeah, I mean, we are, we'll remove anything from anywhere, basically. So lipomas from any part of the body, um, pretty much, you know, moulds from any part of the body. I mean, that was, that was saying, do we offer... Oh, no, the nose operations was probably rhinoplasty. That was a reasonable question. Anyway, I'm sure there was a question once where someone said, well, do we remove a mould from the, some part of the body? I'm like, well, yeah, we'll remove lipomas and moles and skin, any bit of skin from any part of the body. Um, uh, you know, obvi well, not obviously. I mean, if it was in your brain, if it was in your intra-abdominal cavity, then you know, oh, we wouldn't remove lipomas. But let's face it, it's not more lipoma in your brain or in your intra-abdominal normal cavity at least you're not going to come to us with that problem you'll come with other symptoms so um jackie's here good to see you jackie um so yes we will remove uh, lipomas from the forehead the only thing that sometimes a couple of things pretty rare but a couple of times we have had patients with it actually turned out to be a bony lump uh, what's called a bony exostosis so you can get a little bump on the um skull uh, a little a, a little bump which can look like a lipoma because it's a subcutaneous lump so the skin's normal and it's a lump underneath the skin so clinically they can look like lipomas but um, they you can feel they're bony hard and so they can be a little bit more tricky to remove in that you need to sort of um, often you need to use like a hammer and chisel you need to chisel them off um, 
So that has been an issue a couple of times. Um, and you can still remove it, but um, just need slightly different tools. But uh, yeah, definitely remove the lipo and avoid. Um, Corinne is in with a question. I have a question. My eight-year-old daughter has tested positive COVID. Whilst we're doing our best to ensure we don't catch it, I still have to care for her. My question is, if I do end up contracting COVID and I have surgery in six weeks, there may be a chance I still show as positive before my surgery, even if it was weeks ago. Would the surgery go ahead, panicking slightly? Oh, God, Corinne. Do you know what, Corinne? I should know this. Um, but I don't. Vicky would know it. But there is a lit period of time between testing. It might be six weeks. I don't know what it is, Corinne. So... Um, if you, so first thing to say is just because your daughter has tested positive doesn't mean you're going to test positive. So if you don't test positive, then we're fine. If you do test positive, then that is an issue because if you do test positive, there has to be a period of time between testing positive and having surgery. I don't know what it is, Corinne. I know I should, um, it might be six weeks, it might be four weeks. I don't know, Vicky would know at the clinic. Uh, so give us a ring about that because, yeah, you, that might, uh, you know, you might you might be right to panic because um, that might re result in your surgery being postponed if you have recently tested positive for COVID because there is a period of time that you need to be negative. Um, and uh, and so all I can say to you, Karen, is look, do, do carry on. Obviously, you've got to look after your daughter, do your best to um to protect yourself and ppe yourself to reduce your risk of catching it and you've got to remember people in the nhs are working with people with covid all the time so you know the ppe is effective so as long as you try and be sensible i know it's difficult with an eight-year-old child but as long as you try and be sensible there is a chance you might not catch it and you might be absolutely fine but if you do catch it let us know and we'll talk you through the um the process and we'll get you through it one way or the other but you know, it's one of those things. I've got to be honest with you, Corey. It is a bit of a nightmare. It's better now um, with the um, isolating rules being less. You know, you don't all have to isolate when someone tests positive. But it is still a bit difficult in people who are having planned surgery because, you know, you've obviously got this thing that you know your daughter's positive. But any time, you know, you could test positive and then that puts the kibosh on everything really, doesn't it? Um, so it is a bit of a panic, but we've just got to get through it. Keep calm and carry on, you know, Dunkirk spirit. <clears throat> oh, thank you. I'll cross that bridge if I come to it. Hopefully I don't. I'm bathing disinfectant at the moment. Yeah, the bathing disinfectant, think positive. And um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, manifest it, Corinne. Manifest it. Bit of positivity. Uh, this is a big one. What is the impact of smoking regarding wound healing? I spoke to a patient the other day uh, about smoking and... Uh, and uh, I think she was quite shocked because, you know, I, I say to people, uh, oh, you smoke, okay, well, you should give up, you know, and they go, yeah, I know, I should go back and give up. And the fact is, the matter is, we, you know, we, we should, I think we, I don't smoke, but people who smoke should give up smoking because it is bad for their health. But in terms of cosmetic surgery, there is a diff, another element of smoking. And it is, or at least can be, disastrous in terms of wound healing. So, Yes, you should give up smoking for your health, but if you're considering cosmetic surgery, often the advice is that you really must stop smoking um, to the degree that if you can't stop smoking, 
many of us, myself included, would not operate on you. Certainly for surgery where we are closing skin tight, raising flaps of skin, moving skin about. By that I mean tummy tucks, breast lifts, breast reductions, facelifts, arm lifts, thigh lifts, any kind of body contouring, any kind of kind of skin tightening procedure, you are closing that wound really tight. And the problem with smoking is that it reduces the blood supply to your skin. And so it reduces the, the ability of your skin to heal. And if you close a wound really tight and it doesn't heal, it pings open and you can get catastrophic wound uh, dehiscence and wounds opening up because it's closed so tightly. So if the stitches give, it can it can ping open and it can be really bad. I don't want to sort of um, upset anyone, but it can be bad in those operations. So sometimes when people are smoking and get denied surgery, they think, oh, this is um, uh, discrimination and the NHS is discriminating against me because I'm a smoker and things. But, you know, it is not discrimination because, um, you know, yes, they say that in the NHS, but I say it also in the private sector when the patient's paying for the surgery. And what I try and get across is that it is a um, uh, thing between us both. You know, we work collaboration. That's the word I was looking for. Collaboration that we're both trying to get the best result. You want the best result. I want the best result. And uh, so, you know, it is in your best interest not to have that sort of surgery if you cannot stop smoking. So um, smoking is has a significant effect on wound healing. It also has a significant effect on the skin and skin elasticity. You lose your skin elasticity the more you smoke. Um, so you're more likely to have premature aging of your skin. Um, people often say, oh, what can I do for my skin? How can I stop my face from aging and my breasts from drooping? Should I wear a bra all night? And should I use this cream and that cream? And I'm like, if you smoke and if you enjoy the sun, those are gonna affect your skin much more than, than you know, or at least stopping those is going to improve your skin quality much more than any bra or any cream or any ointment or any whatever you want to do, or any diet. So you need to, you know, avoid sun exposure and avoid smoking, really. Keep well hydrated, drink plenty. Um, those are the things you can do for good skin quality. Smoking is bad on the skin. It makes you age. It, le it makes your skin more like a sag and droop. And if you are having surgery, significantly more likely for your wounds to uh, break down to the extent that in my practice, I would advise you not to have surgery if you can't stop smoking. So, um, yeah, that's the effect smoking has on wound healing. Um, you know, I have in my career, in my life, seen bad wound problems and they're, they're pretty much always in, in people who are smoking. Um, and I know what I know people who smoke fits, they think, you know, it's going to be stressful and just have that one cigarette because I'm a bit stressed because my breasts don't look right and my tummy doesn't look right because it often doesn't when you first have it done. But you'll be more stressed if your wounds don't heal up. So you do really need to um, not smoke if you're considering having one of those sorts of operations. <clears throat> bit hoarse there. Do we offer reverse tummy tuck? Yes, we do. And I do feel that I get asked about reverse tummy tuck um, disproportionately more on this on this um, uh, forum, if, if that's what you want to call it, than in real life. It is a very rare operation in real life. Um, having said that, I have seen recently some people having it as a sort of 
primary operation. Now, in my experience, it is reserved for people who've had a full tummy tuck, had a sort of normal tummy tuck, who had then have laxity in the upper in the upper skin. When you have um, a, a problem with too much skin and droopy skin in your abdomen, it is pretty much always the lower abdomen. It's the belly button down. That's where your skin laxity is. And a, a tummy tuck, a tummy tuck addresses the skin from the belly button down. It, now, in terms of the skin from your belly button up to your rib cage, it doesn't directly address that skin in that you don't directly take cut that skin out, but it indirectly addresses it because it pulls down the skin from the from the, the zipper sternum, the rib cage down to the belly button pulls down. So even if you have a bit of laxity in the upper upper abdomen, it does get pulled down. But as I say, it doesn't address, directly address the upper abdomen. If you want to directly address the upper abdomen, um, you can do liposuction and you can do a reverse abdominoplasty. But because the lower abdomen is always significantly more of a problem than the upper abdomen, the in my experience, it's always a, a standard abdominoplasty you do first. See how much it pulls through the upper abdomen. It will definitely address the lower abdomen. See how much it pulls through with the upper abdomen. And then if it doesn't pull through enough, you can then go and do a reverse abdominoplasty later. But as I say, it is reserved for patients who are massive weight loss patients with big folds uh, in their upper abdomen below their breasts. It's not a nice scar. It goes, yes, it goes in the breast fold, but it meets in the middle. And I have seen people who have had um, surgery where, they, where they've had a um, not a significant excess in their abdomen and they've had a reverse abdominoplasty first before having an abdominoplasty and you know that is a bit of an issue it will affect your ability to have an abdominoplasty if you have an abdominoplasty a reverse abdominoplasty and then you want to have an abdominoplasty later i would be very worried about that blood supply basing it on that scar underneath your breast so i would i've never seen anyone who is a candidate for a reverse abdominoplasty who has not had an abdominoplasty already, who has not had significant amount of weight loss. I've never seen that abdomen, which has got more excess in the upper abdomen than the lower abdomen in, in someone who's not had surgery before. The weight distribution and the skin laxity is always in the lower abdomen um, more than the upper abdomen. And so this is what you address first in, a, in an abdominoplasty. So yes, we offer them, but in my experience, and I might be wrong, I say I've never seen anyone, there might be someone out there who has uh, an abnormal or, a, or a, an unusual distribution of their skin laxity who might benefit from a reverse abdominoplasty. But as I say, if you do have a reverse abdominoplasty, it will affect your ability to have an abdominoplasty later date. Um, so if you need an abdominoplasty, I would probably go with the abdominoplasty first because the abdominoplasty undermines all the way up to the rib cage. Whereas a reverse abdominoplasty, you don't undermine all the way down to the groin. You just take out that uh, skin locally where the fullness is. So hope that has been helpful. That's it. I'm out. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.